Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The opening shot of this striking environmental tale, Taming the Garden, captures a tree as tall as a 15-story building floating a floating on a barge across the vast Black Sea. Its destination lies within a garden countless miles away, privately owned by a, a wealthy and anonymous man whose passion resides in the removal and subsequent replanting of foreign trees into his own man-made Eden. Remarkable film. The film is called Taming the Garden. We're joined today by the director, Salome Jashi. Salome, welcome to Film School Radio. Oh, hello, Mike. How did you come upon this idea? Where, where in your travels did you become aware of this particular billionaire who we do get to uh, at least name in the film? How did this happen? Well, his name might sound very unfamiliar to you, but in Georgia, he's very well known. He's the former prime minister and the most rich person in the country who, who is behind um, the, the politics of today in Georgia. Um, so yeah, his um, his hobby to collect trees were quite well known in Georgia, and um, and we all the whole nation we witnessed the transplantation of the first tree live, basically. <laughs> so yeah, that's what that's when I saw it. What that's when I saw this tree floating in this scene. If I understood you correctly, so the this event of moving the tree gained a, a fair amount of notoriety. Is that? Is that fair to say a lot of people knew in yeah, Georgia? I, what was yeah, in Georgia, everybody, every, every single Georgian knows about this story. But of course, when the first tree was moved, it was new to all of us, uh, including myself. Uh, so at that time, I wasn't thinking about the film. But when I saw this image of a tree floating in the sea, I think I saw it via social media or TV anyway. It was all over. This image, too, it struck me because of its um, multiple dimensions, so to say, it carried. So on the one hand, it surely spoke about the power, what power and money can do, but it also had other symbolic and metaphoric meanings, like it spoke about migration, uprooting, not of just trees, but also of cultures, values. It spoke of loneliness. So yeah, all these different ideas that were coming to my mind, uh, I found it very, very, very interesting to, to, to start making this film. Yeah, and on the one hand, it was a beautiful image, but also a bit perverse. So this <laughs> this um, dichotomy, so to say, was very attractive. I would refer to the image as haunting. There's something haunting about watching this slow, almost funeral-like procession of the tree across the Black Sea. There's also an element of hubris, human hubris, sort of we're going to do what we want to do because we can, not necessarily because it has any value beyond that is that a fair statement to make about i think yes it is <laughs> can you characterize the general reaction within the country and in, in watching this because in the film we see people who have very different points of view about what's going on here is that reflective of the country itself or was it more in one direction 
I, th I think it is reflective actually. In the beginning, um, there was there was some protest action uh, against um, this endeavor. There were young um, environmentalists that went there that kind of slept in the in, in um, uh, on the machines, uh, trying to prevent them to to work. Um, so there was this like little uh, protest action. But but then uh, but then it became very normal, you know, like a tree moving became a banal image at some point, and I think most of the reactions that uh, that I would hear were, were were that of cynicism, like making fun of um, what was being done. But also some people said, yeah, I mean, well, why not? It's not against the law, <laughs> right. what he's doing. There's nothing in the law about moving large trees, you know. So, so yeah, he, he, he can do it. And then also some people were saying, okay, he's constructing this park, which, will, which he will later open to the public. So maybe it will also be good for the public. And also these people are getting money. These people, I mean, from whom he's buying the trees. So some people were actually benefiting from this. So... Yeah, I think uh, what you hear in the film um, is is very much how people felt how people felt in Georgia. Various, really various. There was not like one clear opinion about them. As I was alluding to, you see some very vigorous discussions between people in the film. I, I want to explore the people that you have in the film, not only the people from the places where these trees are being removed, but also the workforce surrounding the removal and moving of these trees. And there's something about class here. There's something about, for me personally watching this, this feels wrong. It feels like this is something that I can't quite put my finger on in terms of what's wrong about it, but it feels really like a really terrible idea in general, just to sort of writ large. And so this is often the conundrum, and I've had other filmmakers, documentary filmmakers on the program, and we've had this conversation about people doing things because they almost have no other choice but to essentially participate in something that's detrimental to the well-being of the planet and to themselves, but this is the life that they have to live. Is that part of what this film is about, is people who don't have choices? Well, I'm. I'm not. I'm, it's a good question that you're asking, and it's a complex question. Yeah. Uh, I, when I started filming, I realized that I cannot judge anybody here. In, in the beginning, I went with this kind of a little bit. I live in the capital of Georgia in Tbilisi, and I go to these villages, and I went there with my opinion. And very soon, I I broke my neck, so to say. I realized that I really cannot assume what these people should do or how they should behave, whether they should agree to sell their trees or not. Uh, it is a very complex decision to make to sell your tree uh, when uh, your sister, for example, suffers cancer and you need money to pay for further treatment. So obviously, yes. What do you prefer, the life of your sister or the 100-year-old oak that's been standing in front of your house um, all, all your life? So, yeah, of course, you choose a human life. So. Yeah, on the one hand, most people who sold their trees, or some of them had no choice, but others, they did it eagerly. They didn't want that tree anyway in their yard. It, it created too much um, garbage, you know, in full. Um, and um, yes, and some very, very few people, out like three out of uh, 
tens, dozens, they refuse to sell their tree. So may, maybe there is a choice that can be made as well. Well, okay. thank you for saying that. I, I And I hear, I sit in this Southern California with all the amenities and options and opportunities that I have in front of me. It's very easy for me to say, and I, I agree with you. I didn't, I, that's how I've, I guess what I was trying to get to is I'm not passing judgment on those people for doing what they did. At least I hope I don't come across that way. But at the same time, it just feels like so many people in so many economically underutilized parts of the world just have, this is sort of the lot that they have unfortunately drawn in life. The film is told very much from a POV point of view. Everything is locked down camera shots that you're just watching, observing what's going on in the, in the frame of the picture. But then we find ourselves inside their homes and out and talking to the people in the film. What was that process like? How did they react to you being there? Well, it was not so easy to film people as I mean, we were filming for about two years. Uh, and I in the, initially, I, I thought that the most difficult would be to get access to the works. And actually, we we found, we found access to the works much more easily than access to the people. And this is because Ivanishvili, the person behind this uh, endeavor, he is the most influential guy, as I said, politically, economically. Uh, the local governances uh, depend on him, uh, even if he has no official power. And the local people depend on the local governances. And uh, so many people were afraid to speak in front of the camera. This is what I encountered. And this, this I found shocking, honestly. So one, it's the injustice. As you said earlier, that they have to kind of comply with it. They have to sell their tree. And you would think it's not an injustice because they agree and in return to sell their tree in return for money. But, it, but the situation they have found themselves in is unjust. And then on top of that, they cannot really express themselves because they fear they fear what local governances um, can do to them. I don't know. They, they just fear. Maybe, maybe if they would, if one person would say, okay, I'm, "I'm against this tree being moved," nobody will tell him anything. But it's just this inherent feeling that something wrong might come upon them if they express themselves. And this is very much uh, a Soviet uh, inheritance, I think, and not just Soviet. Like. It's 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 a it's a product of the situation in the country when we do not value individual freedoms, when serving the system has become so rooted in this country that it's not easy to break away from it for, for individuals. By the way, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Salome Joshi. She is the director of the documentary film Taming the Garden. And it is going to be out here in Los Angeles beginning on October 10th at the Lemley Theater in Los Angeles. Be looking for it. It's also opening on September 30th at the New Plaza Cinema in New York City. One of the ways in which we get to some more of the nuances and the understanding of what is happening is the the people working on removing the trees, moving this. And I don't think you can understate this one particular tree that is just massive. It is just, it's what's the one we see floating across the Black Sea. But hearing their conversations, kind of 
eavesdropping, it feels like, in a way, on what they're talking about is a really informative part of the film. How did you gain that level of access to them? Again, uh, sort of. Yes. Well, you probably mean this scene when the workers sit around the fire and, yes. uh, and, and yes. by the end of the day and discuss the, their favorite trees. And they're in this total mud. It's been raining and they're dirty and they're tired. And, they, and then they speak how beautiful trees are. Uh, and, uh, and it becomes quite an aesthetic conversation, so to say. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I was very, it's, it, it was very attractive to me to, to have this aestheticism and brutality, so to say, at the same time. No, I mean, we would, um, the way we worked, we would be there, we would hang around at specific locations. And then when the momentum arrived, we just filmed and they knew us. So it kind of went easy. They were, um, most of the time, they were quite easy at the camera after, after some time of us being there. There's some very dramatic shots of the technology of mankind and its relationship to the natural world, to see this sort of overwhelming force meet these, these objects of nature. It's really quite jarring, but it is the we are living in a highly industrial age with the capability of doing all kinds of things. And you see that in the film, which I thought was important important to give that context to this, to this idea of man versus nature in a way that I, it, it's very stark. What's been the reaction? Has the film screened in Georgia? Uh, yes. Oh, well, okay. That's a long story. Shall I tell it all? We, we tried to release the film in cinemas in Georgia because it's, and I was going to the US. It was released in UK before in Switzerland, in Germany. It was very natural to try to release it in Georgia as well. We could not release it in cinemas. Um, the cinemas refused to do so um, for certain reasons, which I'm not supposed to say aloud, but the official reason was that because they don't have the practice of releasing documentaries. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in reality, it was something else. And then we tried to screen the film at, um, at the screen at the cinema of National Film Academy. And then we screened once, and then the president of the academy removed the film from the screen, saying that it's too political and that um, this film it divides people according to their opinions and that it polarizes people according to political beliefs. <laughs> so basically the film was removed. It was censored, I can say so. So we had no cinema in Georgia and, and we screened the film in, so to say, in so-called underground spaces, like independent uh, theaters uh, with a normal little beamers or NGOs or um, international organizations that were supportive, but no cinema. Is that speak to the ongoing political influence of even Nishvili? Uh, yes. Um, so clearly the film could not go to cinemas, could not see a cinema screen because um, the people behind the screen, so to say, the people who own these screens uh, or who ran these screens were afraid of the consequences uh, from Ivanishvili or reactions from Ivanishvili. Well, my congratulations to you. I'm glad the rest of the world has the opportunity to watch Taming the Garden and... Uh, Thank you so much for your work. Thank you for this conversation. I, I learned so much. This is one of the great things that I get to enjoy about doing this show is that I learn about things I had didn't know about, and I get to talk with 
very interesting filmmakers like yourself. So thank you so much, Salome Shashi, for your time and for taming the garden. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.